It's Dr. Tennant's Verbal Highs. Let's start the show with Lewis Tennant. Here we go. Guests and interviews that you're looking for with creators, innovators, and so much more. For all episodes and further info, verbalhighs.com is the place to go. Welcome to Dr. Tennant's Verbal Highs, a podcast podcasted from a kitchen bench in Kingsland, which is in Auckland, which is in New Zealand. Uh, my name is Lewis and I'm your host. If you're new here, perhaps on the uh, stand-up comedy guest tip, hi. I'll talk about some of the other stand-up guests I've had in uh, presently. If you're a regular, thanks for dropping by again. For regulars, bit of, um, I mean, I'm relaxed about it. I'm I'm relaxed about it. I'm, I'm at a point of my life where um, uh, I can um, I can manoeuvre myself um, comfortably in in, uh, in unexpected situations. But uh, this uh, said podcast gaff location um, is actually the second longest period of time I have lived anywhere since eighty seven Onipu Road in Lyle Bay, which I grew up in from the age of about six. Um, gosh, it would have to be till about the second year of uni. So I've got to the point here where I'm, I'm comfy as bro. Um, kind of feels like I own it, but I don't. Um, the reality for a lot of us in this uh, in this modern world, um, the landlord overall has been a great landlord. I think I'm still paying pretty good um, rent here in the scheme of things. But he emailed me late last night and said he has sold it, but not to worry because um, the new types of people that are looking to buy or something along these lines um, are people who want... Um, permanent tenants so that we wouldn't end ha, tenants um, so that we wouldn't end up um, homeless being everyone in the building but you never know you know you never know what happens when things change hands not sure what to do anyone had that experience how did it play out did the rent go up hugely that's the other thing you might either get um, moved on or the rent goes up um, I think I've been here I started here in 2012 it's a long time as I say you know um, somewhat strangely I kind of do feel like I, I own it and I was thinking because a little birdie told me he, he was thinking of selling, and I was thinking maybe he'll sell just my part of the building. There's not been a podcast guest who's come in, well, except for one, but he had a lot on his plate, who's not said straight away, what a great space you have here. Um, that's 60-plus um, uh, people. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. My guest today, fantastic chat, uh, and a fantastic chat, funnily enough, uh, Mr. Jamie Bowen, stand-up comedian. Um, I met him at that Max comp I entered a while ago. Some of you may remember to win um, a trip for two to Pinburg. Max Max Brewery, Max Beer sponsored a, a pinball comp. And I ended up um, one-on-one in the finals with um, New Zealand's best player. Uh, but it was a great experience. But I thought Jamie was a great MC, and we had some drinks afterwards. And uh, you know, I thought, great guest. And uh, always on the hustle, I said, come on in. And, and then it probably... You know, a few months passed and so on. Um, so he came in, and um, you know, uh, when I've had uh, I've had Alan McElroy in uh, Irish stand-up comedian. I've had Justine in just recently. I've had Diane. I've had Brendan Lovegrove in, and that you know, uh, like like I'd like to think with all the episodes, they, they've got a great level of depth and, and insight into the person and, and kind of life in general. But you still kind of have to be, um, you know, kind of match fit. Um, I, I often feel when I'm speaking to comics um, that they're you know they're in that. They're in that um, orator um, uh, um, uh, zone um, that I was probably a match fit for in my, in my days of doing a breakfast radio show every day. Um, so I started this one with um, Jamie and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a bit flat here. Um, but it wasn't at all because, in fact, what Jamie and I started talking about 
um, a lot of which is some of the struggles he's had recently, as well as you know triumphs. It's quite. A, I thought it was quite a, a lovely story all up. Um, you know, uh, it was positive. Um, but uh, you know, I, I have a listen for yourself. I just I just thought, as I say, that um, it's got a nice kind of slow burning yet um, quite satisfying um, energy to it. This episode, and um, little did I know, you know, the human condition. It's what I love about podcasts. I've said it before. You know, people coming in and sharing not only about their kind of career and um, you know a bit of japes and malarkey, but actually, you know, talking about what's going on with them, um, which. Which Jamie did. Uh, he told me something uh, off air, which is pretty amazing. Um, you might be hearing some big news from that man shortly. Um, but yeah, as I say, I won't give too much away. But when I met him at the Max Comp, I would have had um, no idea that his kind of existential crisis was uh, near boiling point at that point. But as I say, it emerges um, a really positive story, and he's really talented, and I've not seen him live, which is a bit shit of me, um, but the clips online uh, are fantastic. Great rhythm and pace, uh, and a wordsmith, um, and smart jokes too. So um, just quickly, shameless self-promotion. Uh, as I say, if you've come here just new on the stand-up tip, I'll repeat it again. I've had Alan McElroy, Brendan Lovegrove, Justine Smith, Di Henwood, and uh, Jamie for this ep, um, as well as the head honcho, Geezer, um, uh, owner of the classic, who's recently um, got some, I think got got a got a sporran, got some sort of um, thing to attach to his body from the from the Queen, um, Mr. Scott Blanks. Um, what else? What else? What else should just get this episode up? Really, eh? 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 That's probably annoying. Um, one episode every ten days is what I need, folks. It's turned into last year, okay, the first series where I tried to get um, 50 up in a year and put three or four up in the last week. But yeah, one every ten days. Had quite a high-profile New Zealander um, stand me up the other day, which is a bit of a bummer because I got a little bit more um, thorough than usual and did a whole lot of research and then sat by Skype. I was going to do my first Skype one and um, nothing happened. But he's got a lot on, so I'll just gently nudge him again, you know, trying to get very busy people to take um, over an hour uh, for Nada out of their life. That's the thing. So I was stoked he said yes to begin with. We're kind of partway there. Um, I don't really market this thing. If anyone's got any bright ideas on how to market this thing, get it um, outside of you beautiful people. Um, you can like and share it. That can be your payment. That's marketing. Um, but if you've got any other ideas, verbalhighs at gmail.com. Follow me, uh, verbalhighs uh, podcast on Facebook, verbalhighs on Twitter, and corporate monolith, uh, ruler of the podcast world, iTunes. Lovely if you could subscribe there, but more importantly, leave um, five stars, four if you're feeling a bit, you know, uh, you know, and uh, a comment. I uh, haven't had a comment there for a while. That'd be nice. Um, where are we at now? Six minutes thirty. Oh, that's good. That's the three minutes I set out for. Um, here's Jamie. Oh, thanks to Hallatow, and thanks to Dave from Hallatow. Great man, um, supporting lots of uh, local projects around about the place, including sending me a liquid bubbly uh, subscription, as he calls it, for this podcast. This is Doctor Tannen's verbal highs. I guess. Um, no, that's fine. Sounds okay. You sound great. Great man. I can talk louder if needs be. No, I like that. But like com- your, your, conversationally, I tend to be around about this sort of octave. Your mic placement is—it's um, beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> it's, um, it's taken me twenty years to perfect, but I think I'm finally starting to get the swing of it. Well, if you're—I'm going to take my glasses off so that there's less of a um, a window between you and I. 
Let's connect. Let's connect as human beings. Um, I say if you're recording for high-profile corporate clients in hotel rooms globally that your um, condenser microphone technique would be... Um, do you take a little stand? I do. I do take a little stand. And the secret that I've found is to record all of your voice work in your hotel room under your duvet. <laughs> Just like as much duvet, you want as much duvet around you as possible, so it gets very hot very quickly. But that's the best way to stop the sound waves from bouncing around in your hotel room. Do you make a little like when you're a kid and you make a tent? Like yeah, a, I do. Right, I do. If, I, I build a fort. Have I, you ever had trouble with structural integrity halfway through? Uh, um, absolutely. Yeah, you betcha. But it just ends up the easiest way to go about it is to just throw the duvet over your head, sit there, hold your microphone. Be very, very quiet. <laughs> hey, so um, on Friday when I messaged you, you said you were um, in Sydney editing your special? Yes. Um, and it got me thinking, yeah, the special and the New Zealand comedian. How many New Zealand comedians are record? Is, that, is there a tradition of specials here as well, such? Or does that sort of come off the back of the whole Netflix specials that aren't even specials anymore because people are doing eight a year? Yeah, so I think that's it's, an exaggeration. I think it's like you know, it's um, uh, I don't know. It was just I, I wanted to make one. I wanted to have a go at making one. Um, no one was going to give me a hand to do that, so I had to self-fund it and self-organise it. Wow. Um, because I just wanted to. I spent the last couple of years doing a, a few shows um, that had been about really sort of personal stuff, um, and it was a it was an interesting product. I thought. Yeah, at the end yeah. of the of the end of those sort of years, and I wanted to do something with it. So, um, a friend of mine and I got talking. He's a director. We were like we bumped into each other, and again, having lost touch, we were um, like we used to go to school together and we'd go to, like watch punk rock shows and shit like that together. Yeah. And uh, he'd he'd gone off and uh, become a director, and we got talking about it, and um, uh, we just it just sort of clicked. And so yeah, just made this thing, and then we found an editor in Sydney that. Um, was prepared to take the project on, and so it's a hell of a project. It was like five camera shoot, wow, plus two hour, two to three hours of interview footage. Oh, so it's a it's a on stage special, but inter interspersed with you kind of philosophizing off stage. I guess and, so. Yeah. yeah, I um I have trouble describing it, um, but I think the way that we've sort of been talking about it so far is it's like a documentary slash special. Somehow, it's so cool. So that must be the first of its type to come out of New Zealand. I have no idea, no idea. I reckon. I reckon. I can't recall anything like that. Good on you, man. Yeah, and man. So you had to get five um, camera people in. That's no, yep. no small task. So I'm guessing no. that you put it all into one show. I know that sometimes people will have the budget to do like three shows and cut between. Did you? Did you? Did you put it all on red? Or we talked about it, but we decided to put it all on red because the. Whatever you get is more more genuine. I have yeah, this, yeah. So uh, like the stand up specials that I see and that I really love are the ones that are least are the the least polished. I think the less polished and the more the more naturalized and the more gritty, um, the the better the the comedy reads. And so I didn't want to do two shows and pick all the slick parts. I just wanted to do it. And if I fucked it up, then that's just what it was going to be cuts to the section of the audience and the more eagle-eyed go hey that's a 
that's a different guy sitting there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I didn't want to. We didn't want to have anything disingenuous like that. Yeah, we just wanted yeah. to because uh, uh, I'd been I'd had the show running for at, at its hour and a half long length for about like uh, a year or so, and I was pretty comfortable doing it by that point. And um, so yeah, we just did two. Where'd you record at the classic? At the classic, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which was good because I've got experience filming stuff at the Classic, um, having done uh, a night at the Classic all those years ago. Right, right, right. And also because I've been raised in that room as a human. Yeah, like a lot of people I've had through in your yeah, I've in spent, your racket. I've spent twenty years inside that room. Amazing, it's incredible. And um, what do you, how do you? Re- I mean, that's the other question these days is is how do you how do you release it? Um, you know, uh, yeah. vi- vinyl. You know, yeah, um, eight track. Oh no, wait, it's not Wellington S- specifically on eight track. Vi- vinyl with a free six pack of um, well, cra- craft like, beer. There's a potential that I'm going to end up with two products out of it. Like yeah. one of them could be um, just an audio recording of the show. Yep. Um, and just leave the stand-up be as a live album, which is an interesting show in and of itself. And then the other version is this documentary kind of thing that we're putting together. Um, but in terms of releasing it, I've got no idea. Yeah. Oh, you got, got this no far. Idea. I don't. And, and um, you know, it sounds like something that Tally might even have a look into, right? Mm, maybe, but I want to have as much control over the product as I possibly can. Yeah. Um, because my experience is every time I'm completely in control of my own product it works and as soon as I bring in other people or other factors into my work I inevitably fail uh, and it's not personally satisfying anymore so I just like I'm just like well no one's going to make this thing for me I'm just going to make this thing myself and 20 years into the into the game now it's like that's actually a lot easier to do now right to just oh, the, go because the, okay the, my um, own terms punk as you talked about you know you know like the like yeah the, the return on investment now is amazing yeah uh, for so little investment the product that you're able to make so like this project's starting to inch up closer towards 20 grand wow maybe yeah um and back in the day by the time we finish it back yeah. in the day that would have been you'd be looking at 60 to 80 right and that's maybe only 10 years ago yeah i believe it i think everything started changing i think oh seven oh eight yeah, so I, I that's and that was part of the other reason for wanting to do it was because I I could make it happen and I could do it on a with some mates and I could have full control over the whole process. Do you um are you a so pe- people are people aren't are you a, are you a, a podcast listener and if so do you yeah. like a lot of the biggest in the world are stand ups right like mm. Rogan and Maron and um, I don't know if you listen to Buxton, Adam Buxton, the UK one. I'm familiar with Adam, but I haven't. Um, oh, he's got a great. He's got, he's got a great podcast. Um, anyway, because not only do I like stand up comedy, but that it's it's shows like that that got got me hopefully you know hopelessly addicted to, to podcasting and mm. eventually led me here. So as a part of them, just just waxing lyrical about the world in general, I've learned a lot about stand up behind the scenes. Mm, right, and, and and I feel like um you know well I know that um. A lot of people have, you know, based on their listenership globally. Like, have you noticed uh, a sort of uh, an increase in interest in stand-up in New Zealand? Hmm. I've noticed an increase in interest, definitely. And I I think um, from a global point of view, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, Joe Rogan's audience reach is astounding. He's three million followers on Instagram. I mean, you know, that reach is incredible. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's it's a... it's a guy who's just gone, I'm just going to do this thing and just make it happen. You know, like, so um, I've definitely noticed an uptick in New Zealand. I think that started, uh, that probably started about 10 years ago for us when we started getting things like seven days on t- television. Yeah, yeah. And um, Night at the Classic to some limited extent as well. Um, 
but that that was kind of the first point I think when um, yeah like all of a sudden it kind of went bigger yeah yeah and then TV wanted TV wanted more comedians and it was more comedians then all of a sudden comedians were getting acting stuff and so it's just I think over the last 10 years especially things have really opened up I mean you know you can't deny the influence that um, Reese Darby and Flood of the Concords had on awareness as well of New Zealand comedy yeah and then Tyker's presence in the community too well, even just the age of the age of kind of stand up as we know it now in New Zealand, it sort of makes sense. Like when I had um, Scott on, you know, talking about from the early eighties to sort of nineties, first stand up, stand up, and then now, I guess it's just it's just been around long enough now. Yeah, it's sort of growing yeah. up, right? So I yeah, so I um, during the festival this year, it was I had this really beautiful moment um, where I was standing with. Um, with Kylie and I was standing with it was Kylie and a couple of anyway I worked out it was like three generations of festival directors yeah. and then they were like oh yeah so you're the first of our babies and I'm like what do you mean they're like you were like 20 years ago you're like one of our first little babies you know like you look at you you've all grown up and I was like oh man 20 years holy shit hold, hold that thought <laughs> we, we will go back 20 years in just a second um, I should say who, who I've got here, uh, folks. Oh, hey. <laughs> uh, I've got Jamie Bowen with me. He's a, he's a comedian, performer, um, and writer who has uh, appeared in over a dozen international comedy festivals, um, has performed um, around and about the world, and on telly shows like Seven Days Comedy Gala and Aotearoa. And um, and I like this. Um, he's been nominated for every comedy award in New Zealand mm-hmm. and hasn't won any of them. That's right. So list what you haven't won. The Billy T's? Uh, I didn't win the Billy T's. Yeah. I didn't win the Billy T's four times. Thank Congratulations. You. Um, I didn't win the Fred Award twice. Congratulations. Um, I didn't win uh, Best Male Comedian. I didn't win, um, I don't know, most of them. I didn't win Best MC. Didn't win Best MC. Um, but yeah, mainly. But so a, now you take so on, the those, only, on so, the nights of the awards, you take so, you take bookings in other cities. Yeah, it's of like, course. I'm, not, I'm never going to pick it up. Yeah, you all, everyone else is. Yeah, I clean up. <laughs> <laughs> I clean up on awards nights. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got to laugh about it. Um, so yes, I've won. I've lost many awards. The next one to lose, and this has only been brought about because of Scott's uh, recent. Um, uh, award that he's been given by the crown. You know, oh, that's what I was going to say. New Com- Zealand, New commonwealthy thing that yeah, I, like yeah, New yeah. Zealand award of merit or something, some sort of merit. You got a badge, yeah. Um, and uh, so that's the only other award that I can kind of now aspire to lose. I think, and like I'm going to set my sights to like to lose uh, the you know services to comedy, <laughs> Queen's Medal. <laughs> Maybe You've got to have something to work towards. Like, have one of those, or maybe those, like, um, like um, musicians get in the New Zealand Music Awards. Maybe after a point, they'll just go, "Look, we better give them the, we better give them the Lifetime Achievement oh, sh- Award or whatever it is." And, and the, the worst part about that, skin is. in the game, the skin in the game award, skin in the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. with that, man, I was thinking, it's like, almost it's almost like twenty years of just flatly refusing to ignore all of the evidence that this is not for me. Well, I was quickly trying to work, work this out before, and um, so you're a bit younger than me. You must be late thirties now. Yeah, coming up to thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. So, oh, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, um, you must have done something else beforehand. But having having said that, that does work out at about nineteen twenty. Mm. So, where did it all start, bro? Did, were you like school, uni, yeah, school. found comedy, or school? Like, so I, um, my 
memories of school are just uh, doing the school shows. In Auckland? Aug- uh, yep, in Auckland. I went yep. to um, uh, Milford Primary, um, a little a little stint at Willow Park, but mainly Milford Primary, and then like Takapuna Normal Intermediate, and then Westlake. Yeah. And then I got kicked out of Westlake, and then I went to Rangi. What did um, you get kicked out for? I got kicked out for singing sexually explicit lyrics in the national final of the Smoke Free Rock Quest. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. That's weird. The other guys were seventh form, so they kind of like avoided most of the punishment. But I got the I got the option presented to me of you can leave or we'll make you leave. So you got kicked out for censorship of music, or were you intentionally like pushing it? I was really like we were pushing it. Okay. Yeah, I was a real little shit. Okay, that's okay. So it sounds like there was a backstory before that night. Yeah. Anyway, so lots of performance. So lots of performance, like uh, dancing, singing. Um, like uh, did all the school shows. Started getting lead roles in school shows. Loved drama. Just that was always the time when I was felt like you know at home or at ease or yeah. making music. Or, and it just it was always just normal to get up and I did like speech championships and and competitions and stuff like that. And I always placed really well or won those and got the drama prizes and stuff at school so i was just like there was never a question that i would do some form of something performance wise um, yeah i thought i was going to involving words i thought i was going to be a musician like yeah. i really wanted to be a musician and i love music and i still make a lot of music yeah but then um my friends and i got together um uh, brett o'gorman and mick andrews um who saw me at the high school show one year and they'd just left Rangitoto and they wanted me to do a play with them, which was a comedy of errors. We did that. Three of us got on fantastically. Uh, we all love Python, so on and so forth. Started a sketch group, rang up the classic, I think two or three weeks later. Are you like 17, 18 or something? Yeah, I'm yeah. like 18, 17, 18 yeah, at that point. Yeah, yeah. 18, I think, just 18. Um, and we go down and we do our first open mic spot at the classic and we have a fucking blast. And then, like, I'm pretty sure it's like four four gigs later, we've got our first paid gig at the classic. At the classic, well done. And then we were like, we that was just that was everything then. Yeah, we could get up and what we could we could do sketches about people being shot by us like because we've programmed a sniper sound on a keyboard and <laughs> so every time they hit that note that person gets brutally shot we can do that in front of a crowd so it was sketch in the purest tradition of sketch yeah man and yeah. it was and the, it was so fun too because the we just loved making each other laugh and yeah. and those two men are two of the most absurd men i've ever had the pleasure of working with are they still Brito, Brito Gorman especially is just like there's something about him as a human which is just magnificent have they watch. followed a similar trajectory or is one of them like selling insurance now or something no they're both still I think they're still working on scripts and um, they've had a couple of short films uh, do the festival circuit and stuff like that I think they because they definitely wanted to gravitate more towards the um, I guess the more, more serious or the more artistic aspect yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of, of uh, film and TV yeah um but yeah, so they've had a like they've had a solid working relationship for ever since we stopped doing Gary. Oh, so they stayed as like a sort of a writing duo. Yeah, they kind of did, and yeah, they kind yeah. of were before I got there too. They yeah. um, they used to because they lived around the corner from each other and they were uh, very close mates and did all the stuff at school together. And so uh, I was always kind of like the third third Gary. So for you, you just um, just kept on with it after the after the. I just loved it, man. Trio. I, I just yeah. caught the bug. Yeah. And I think I, the thing I really wanted to do was I really wanted to learn how to be one of those guys that can stand super still on a stage and just talk for an yeah. hour and just command a crowd. Because that was the hardest thing I could imagine doing, was, was standing still. 
and not moving. And how's and that I, going for I've you? Worse, 20, <laughs> 20 years, and I'm only just starting to get get to grips with that. Yeah, um, I'm still too big and wild. I still want to pull it back and see how far back it can go before it falls over. So what, what do you mean? Are you sort of fighting against your own inclination as to how you operate as a as a human? Um, no, uh, no, no, no. I think how I operate as a human is like. How I operate on stage is pretty close to how I operate as a human these days. But I'm just wondering if I can make it closer. Constantly trying to rein it in. It yeah. does, does sound familiar to me, actually. It's a bit my life's work, really. Mm. Um, oh, it's very much a life's work. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm glad that I'm enjoying comedy again because I'm really enjoying reinvesting and picking apart my own psychology. What do you mean again? enjoying comedy again? You've done it all this time. Was there a bit of a... I mean, I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I've, I've had that with creative endeavours. You just... Well, you're just kind of phoning it in for a while. Well, not necessarily phoning it in so much as you are just going... Where am I at with this? Well, what, what, the, what the fuck do I do yeah. next? You know, yeah. like I've tried all of these different hats on and I've found a good living. I, I make a good living here in New Zealand. I'm super lucky. I'm yeah. incredibly fortunate yeah. to make any kind of money whatsoever doing what I want to do. But I'm just at that point of like there's more that I want I want to do more and I just wasn't satisfied with my own work I was a bit sort of stilted in my own work and I needed a project to sink my teeth into and I just fell out of love with stand-up for a little bit Is, hang on where are we here recently or yeah this is like last year I think the special sounds like I mean that's as I say to you I don't I mean you, you, you're you in those uh, inner halls more than I am but I, I, you'd know but I don't think anyone's done anything like that um, so how's the comedy changed over the years, man? I mean, like, I probably, you know, I would have thought that um, I had the world uh, sewn up at 18 or 19, but if I looked back at what I was talking about on stage, not that I was, but if I was, how's it changed? <laughs> how's it changed? I, now that you're a man. After, after 20 years of continually failing in front of people, yeah. um, the comedy's gotten to the point where it's like, it just, it just, it works now. Yeah. That's, but that, it must have worked that, back then. That's the no, 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 no. I don't. I don't think that I was a good performer in any way, shape, or form until about fourteen, until about fourteen years into it. Wow. So, like in the last couple of years, I think I'm starting to get the hang of it. Because that was the other thing I was going to ask you about my secondhand insight from podcasts. Is I've heard more than one stand up say that on those shows that like you know they all put it at different amounts but it's normally 10 years plus yeah so that's really a thing right it's the longest i mean you know we buddies of mine and i joke about it but it is the longest apprenticeship in the arts yeah and there's no set road to it too because you know especially especially depending on what type of thing you're trying to go for in terms of like what's the thing that you love the most yeah like are you wanting to be like a one linesman or you know like you got to find your style, and then you got to find what your genuine voice is within that style. And then you grow up along through all and of that. And you grow up along, yeah, totally. And then you hone all the basic stuff like totally. timing. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And the like, the whole process is, you know, it's been me effectively growing up as a human, telling yeah. people how I feel about it, and then engaging their reaction. That's like that's what I've done for like the last twenty years. But not all. A lot of comedians are of that style, but not all of them are. Right? No, like, not you think all of someone are. like someone like Seinfeld doesn't really have much insight into that. So I mean, I'm meaning well, different I styles. Like I mean, you are, I've I noticed that the, when I was the watching. More, the more I watch Seinfeld, the more I think he's he's incredibly perceptive and he's super smart. Incredibly and, perceptive and super smart, but not like delving into stuff like 
his father's death like you have in the last few just years. It's not his jam. It's not his jam. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not, I'm not critiquing it. I was just talking, you were talking yeah, yeah, about right, different right, styles right. and gotcha, ways like gotcha. that very honest style that you seem to be doing, you know, and some mm. of the stuff I watched just before. Um, that's right. I'd imagine it's, to begin with, it's kind of terrifying in a way. Yeah. Let alone mastering it as a, as a style of performance. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't start doing that sort of stuff until I went through the whole thing with dad passing away and then, you know, coming home last minute and then the funeral and then the emotional fallout from that. The only reason I did it was because I was like, I just actually can't talk about anything else. Yeah. Anything else just seems like, like what I was just so, I think what I was is I was so painfully aware suddenly of my own mortality. I had this thing of going, I can't talk about bullshit anymore. Yeah. And I was instantly disgusted with everything I'd done in my career till that point, I was just like, I've just got to change something. Yeah, but you, I totally that transition is it's it's totally fascinating and and, and um, but at the same time, I don't think you should be like, so hard on yourself from before that. I'm very hard on my like. I, no, no, because I was going to say stuff. Incredibly stuff hard like, on myself. Obviously, the the, the 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 bit that a lot of people um, reference with you is the is the box bit, which to me, by the way, was very Carlin esque with its. Timing and use of thank words well, and rhythm. A, that's, a, and, um, so com- that's, that's a compliment so that's, I don't feel it deserves. Right, but, so, but it's so, so, so I'm assuming that's pre, pre your father passing away. So that's certainly not a throwaway, throwaway bit. It's very clever. It's very crafted. So it's not like you're, you're kind of going up and, and sort of doing... Um, fart jokes. All, all no, the way I mean, there's, yeah. you know what, you know, like there's always. And you've just good... said in the same breath that Seinfeld is, you know, you yeah. respect what, that he doesn't go near that stuff. Yeah, so. it's just, yeah, just it's. Um, I guess what it is is I in enjoy the comedy and the truth aspect of life yeah i really i've you know the last couple of years in particular have become more and more tickled by philosophy and just the, the ridiculousness of everything that's happening around me yeah and i'm really enjoying you're in a good era to do that <laughs> yeah i'm in a great era to do it and i'm really enjoying picking my own psychology apart even though it can be detrimental to my mental health often yeah um uh, which is something I've really sort of started to come to terms with in the last six months or so. Uh, just started taking medication and sort of, sort of getting a better level underneath me to be able to kind of continue doing what I want to do. Depression or anxiety? Yeah, depression or, and yeah, anxiety, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, good, the, um, the full package. Yeah, so. the full package, yeah. Right. Um, but I just, I'm just, I'm so fascinated by what I'm finding in comedy clubs and I'm fascinated again by human stories and I'm just really excited again. And so I, like, I fell out of love with it last year, but the more I throw myself into what I'm doing, like having just done this this special and like watching myself in an edit studio for three days talk about my life's ups and downs. Yeah. It was f- fucking intense. I'm sure. I it's, don't even like listening back to these to see if there's anything I need to take it out. It was intense. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then to watch the finished product and go, I don't know if I'm okay putting that out. What are people going to say? You know, like, it's yeah. So why so long to... to um decide to take medication and so on is this I, just, sort of I a, just wasn't um you weren't coping i just really wasn't coping no right yeah 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 and i just i really had to hit rock bottom to really understand the magnitude of the problem okay yeah did you do that before or after i met you at the pinball competition uh that was kind of i was in the process of trying to figure it out around right. then okay. yeah so that was when was that Oh, it can't have been that long ago. It wouldn't be wouldn't beginning be less than a year, wouldn't it? It's beginning yeah. of the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The winner just had his trip to the states and so on. It <sighs> was a fun night. Thank it you. It was a fun <laughs> night. I really enjoyed. That it. It was the first time I had ever um, 
uh, like being an announcer at an event like that. Oh, really? Yeah, I would have yeah. thought MC work would be part well, MC of MC work, the, you yeah, get a little yeah, bit yeah, like, yeah. you know, first time ever doing like calling a pinball competition. Yeah. That was, was rad. Probably, probably the first, again, speaking of first, firsts in New Zealand. It was rad. It was yeah, so much fun. It was. They did, they, a, they, yeah. they, they did well. Um, so, yeah, around that time, I was just sort of like, I was going through a pretty heavy personal time. And uh, my mental health was just really sliding out from underneath me. And I just, yeah, just got to that point where it was very clear and evident that I was having a, having a problem and I just wasn't able to get myself out of it. So I went through the, you, through the you, hopes, you, uh, through the rings rather to, uh, to address it. You to talk too, too much about it, but you manage, I mean, people do that to differing degrees. I was just um, listening to something with John from, from Shihad the other day. Did you see the film? Um, about those guys no I'm not no such I great, really want to watch docker. it well, anyway there's a, there's a bit in it that I, I never knew because I, I kind of know those guys from around Wellington mm. that's right where I come from grew up around there and um, I knew they sort of struggled um, around the time of going to the States and stuff but I didn't know that, um, that, that, that that John had such a breakdown that he ended up um, um, bedridden at his parents place in mm. Wellington had to come back from, from Melbourne and so on um, you know so did you manage to keep working and stuff or did you just sort of I uh, did uh, I, yeah, I did as much as I could I kind of tried to keep working um there were a couple of nights where i um i on purpose i think it's not the um, sort of job it's a, not the sort of job where you want to like you they've got to go out and even feign that you're yeah yeah right. like so yeah, yeah. And, and that's just not me anymore yeah like i can't i can't feign it's just so uh, like uh, it smacks of fake and i just i just don't want to yeah, be yeah. I'm, just, I'm i'm on this ridiculous existential quest for authenticity yeah um so i just can't go out and be yeah hey, when i'm not feeling hey. yeah, yeah. um but i still want to be funny so I, I had a couple of nights where i was trying out material that was pretty close to the bone um but i just needed to try those ideas i think on stage it's it's really i mean the psychology behind me and some of the stuff that i do is is weird and interesting, I think. I think everything you're describing to me, um, it, you, you're 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 in the right um, pocket of people, man. It's like not you're going to rock up to the rest of your stand up, um, you know. Uh, yeah, like because I, 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 the classic is this amazing place, right? Yeah. Where I feel so relaxed, I feel so at home. Yeah. I know the smell of that place yeah. instinctually. I know the feel of it. I know the weight of the microphone. I know the like everything. I just know, and so. When I was going through my shitty time, I definitely was like, I just want to try out these ideas and just see if there's any. Well, that's what, that's what I mean. You sort of with a whole bunch of other um, completely messed up but totally together people. You yeah, know? that's the stand up. Yeah, it's the stand up career. It's great. Stand up. Such a motley collection of human beings. Yeah, it's fantastic. But that quest for sort of what the fuck is going on and yeah. how do I process it? And, yeah, um, I'm comedians to stand on stage and man, I just like I th- the, my favorite thing about comedians is how they just question. They just yeah. question, just question, just question all the time. Well, I, re- I, I, I think that, you know, outside of dealing with, with say, let's say, personal issues on stage or just mm. trying to make sense of yourself in the world, um, there's even, you know, the other side of it, just with what's going on with politics and so on, like, you know, when you think about it, I, I can't think of any other role in society at the moment that is more of a, of a, of a, of a, of a true example of free speech, you know? It's yeah. the, it's the, it's it's I, you know where else can you go on stage? I mean, I'm like I don't know if I. Yeah, I mean I, you know, like I've got a musicians aren't doing it at the moment for some reason. I've got a spe- I thought there'd be all this anti-Trump music. I've got a real know. special place in my heart for comedy and the art form, and because I think it's an art form. Um, 
and I really love uh, the varying ways in which people can do it. I don't know if I would give it quite that lofty sort of place in society, but I think it's really important. Yeah. You know, I think it's really important that people are able to joke about things that aren't right. And the human experience is ridiculous, and we need people to point out how ridiculous it is. When I had Brendan on, he um, he was sort of seemed quite worried about. God, anyone listening to this would be like, "Is this guy? What do you mean? No wonder he hasn't won any fucking awards. He's not fucking funny at all. Listen to him. <laughs> He's just this depressed egomaniac." And, and then there's the guest. Um, so so um so, so where were we? Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that you have a pinball machine in your workspace slash living space. Yeah, um, that was that's only the last month or two. It took a lot of. Um, There's a pinball machine just sitting right next to yeah, the bed. A, I mean, a two-year-old Ghostbusters. It's it's fantastic. The records are in the hallway now. That's great. That's what you sideways walk down because yeah. they're in there. I like it. I completely forgotten what I was going to ask next. Oh, that's right. On that sort of like existential storytelling comedian tip i always mm. like hearing from comedians themselves you know mm. and admittedly it's a it's a, it's a bad journal question but let's go like who do you who do you like on that tip at the moment who do you like listening to who kind of who kind of just um is trying to unpack it all well with, with what i saw with you sort of you know quite, you know, quite long storytelling yeah um so in terms of comedy yeah comedy yeah, yeah right like so that? i mean like i um am such a a, a fanboy of daniel kitson yeah um uh, possibly to my own detriment, but I just I just think that the way he slings a story together and the way that he uses words is just really exciting and really fascinating. And I'm I love it. He was the first person I'd seen do a one hour, an hour and a half long narrative, and it was the first time I'd seen that. I was like, oh fuck, one story an hour and a half, one story for an hour and a half, and he just held the crowd, and I was like, oh my god, I want to do that. So is there any show aside from that? Just one story? It's just one story, and it's just phenomenal storytelling. It's over most, Billy Connolly. At its most simplest form, it's just storytelling. And it was fucking beautiful, and it was funny, and it had humanity, and it had pathos, and it had, you had sympathy for the characters. You had, it had every... But it was one bit. But it was one dude. And, and one a, bit over that one time. one bit. Crazy. It blew my mind. Where did you see him? That was um, at the Herald Theatre in Auckland. So he's 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 played here. He's played here. Yeah, yeah. it just blew my mind. I was just like, I never thought I could do that, but I've just seen what someone and I don't pretend to do it anywhere near to the level of talent or dexterity that he has as a wordsmith and comic by any means. But I was just like, I want to have a go at what he's kind of doing because that looks like a challenge. You mentioned wordsmith. I, I did notice that with your, your bits. That's a consideration, eh? Like you write them. How do you write? Some people are like bullet point ideas. Some of yours feel like they have been crafted on paper before yes. they're, Some before of them they're are, delivered. Yeah. Some of them are. And then it's a case of going through and... Actually, now the fact you're a musician makes sense in that as well, because I was going to say rhythmical before. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I guess so. Yeah, actually, do you know what? I'd never even considered it from yeah. that point of view. I, I, I like rhythm and melody and... Uh, I love... Well, what's a comic without timing? What's a comic without timing? <laughs> An open micer. Um, <laughs> broke. <laughs> Delusional. Delusional. Um, yeah. Um, when I write, I, sometimes I, like, I'll write out a big thing, but like the last couple of shows I've done, I paste. 
like I just pace up and down my house and I just think and I just kind of start slinging a story together that way Sling, I'm using slinging a story a lot together at the moment because I'm trying to understand what my process is for putting something together and it's just kind of like I'm just mentally take an idea and I'm just going to throw bits at it and let it percolate for a wee while and then by the time it gets to the stage it's already gone through one or two stand up filters in my head do you see something like funny at the supermarket and like put a word in your phone and then come? Yeah. I'm always I'm fascinated by this process. Yeah, you, like sometimes absolutely you see a thing and you go, well, that story is a yeah. funny story to tell. Yeah, and and but I'm also interested in what's my reaction to that story because that to me is where the humour is. But then do you sit down with those? Because like look. The creative process, it's so its so different for so many different people. Do you then take all those bits of papers and notes on your phone and sit down for three hours on a Thursday morning and try Sometimes, and flesh yeah. them out? Sometimes, yeah. 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 I love writing. Yeah. I, I really enjoy um, – I love isolation. Yeah. I, mean, I like to live in just about near isolation for most of my week um, because I just like spending time in my head and I like putting words down on, on my – you know, I'm writing a lot by hand and I'm also typing a lot and just pacing and thinking and playing guitar to let an idea kind of noodle over. So I just, I, yeah, I'm totally happy with a whole scrap of paper and sitting down and going, I'm going to make a story out of this. And then I make the story out of it. And if it's a big, long one, then I'll kind of just learn the... By the time I've, I've put the story together, I've already learnt it and I've already probably edited it a couple of times. Oh, so you've already... That, yeah, right. So you've already committed it to be able to be spoken. That's a, yeah. great, that's a great skill to possess. Yeah, I'm really... Sort of, I'm very lucky yeah, in that regard. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that, the bit I've wondered about if I were to ever do something like stand-up is the bit going between... Sorry to cut you off. The bit going between um, I've written out this great idea and actually committing it to performance. And But, but sorry, I'm more meaning like remembering a half an hour of those or 40 yeah. minutes of those. Yeah. It's always fun, like... My favourite moments in comedy are when you have half an idea, yeah, and you go on stage and you just say that idea, yeah, to see how it lands with the crowd, yeah, and then off the back of that, just kicking the ball around with them to see if there's anything more with and the then, idea. And then, and then, and then, so something like um, a, a particularly um, a, a routine that's really reliant on wordplay and rhythm and all the rest of it, mm. I'd imagine, would be committed to memory, like learning lines for for a play yeah. but then as you say you'd have stuff where you just throw the basic gag out there and a few bits you kind of glued onto it and then I'd imagine that one would develop yeah. as you keep doing yeah. bits and, you know? and like it's um, I find the uh, like the rhythmic parts or element of my stand up interesting because the um, those parts become muscle memory yeah, so yeah, there's, yeah, a, yeah. there's a muscle memory that happens and so what that gives me is when I switch into those parts I'm still present but it also gives me a chance to think about where to next. Where to next, yeah. So when I get those muscle memory parts, I'm still very much like part of it, but I'm able to just let it roll out. It just comes out. Yeah. And then I can think about, okay, well, we're enjoying this moment, so why don't we do this next joke because that will yeah. flow on well or yeah. let's take it somewhere else or yeah. let's Sound- talk to the crowd. Or Sounds like um, uh, something like teaching for me, which I do now, is like that thinking ahead, but in the moment and very tiring. Yeah, very, very tiring. tiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> After an hour and a half, yeah. man, you are wiped out. Yeah, that's, that's right. really hard, especially if you have to do a half time because then you've got to build the energy back up. And Actually, no, it's harder to do it straight through. An hour and a half straight through is really hard because you get a couple of slump moments. Where do you do an hour and a half in New Zealand these days? Um, places like I've done the Hawke's Bay Arts Festival, yeah. uh, Wanaka um, Festival of Colour. Um, uh, did Nelson Arts Festival too? 
Um, so those kind of places. We yeah. So I put, I took three shows. I crammed them into an hour and a half. So yeah. I took all the good bits and just crammed it into an hour and a half. And it's an hour long, hour and a half long story from start to finish. Nice. Last bit on the on the craft. Um, what I was thinking of it is again this is secondhand podcast knowledge, but I've, I've heard a lot of people talking about the hour long show, however long it is, and then there seems to be a whether it's a tradition or a, or a current thing in the last few years um, overseas, the States pretty much, of you do an hour, um, you do it for a year, you do your special, and then you set fire to that hour. Yeah. And then you do – and the couple of comedians I've talked to so far, locals, um, have said it doesn't work like that. So how, what what's your kind of rule in your head around new material and old, new material and old material? Do you just do something until it's like a – I'm done with that or yeah 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 like yeah. you know like I know that there are definitely some jokes that I've told so much yeah. and have relied on so much to finish off shows and you yeah. know I know that they're just a good spot in the set but I'm probably not telling those jokes with as much conviction as I used to and so I should ret- I should retire those jokes for my own sanity so what I was watching um the, the stuff of you online and, and that I was like they all need to stop talking about his beard shortly you know there's a yeah. little period you yeah, went yeah, through yeah yeah so no more beard talk anymore <laughs> don't talk lo- about the beard losing, anymore I'm losing my hair but the heavy existential stuff though I'm only just getting started on that yeah, yeah I'm loving that I'm, yeah. I really love taking a, like a really messed up um, notion like you know possibilities of our reality yeah. Right, and, and then I love being able to get that fifteen minutes of that shit to a, a Friday night eight PM crowd. So what are you reading? I love that. But shit. the way you say that, are you, are you, are you, are you like are you reading like the great philosophers? And how are you getting there? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going through. I'm, I'm just reading whatever I can get my hands on, and because I'm just so fascinated by it, because the the outcomes of the outcomes of everyone's perception of, of, of uniquely different, and I find that intrinsically fucking hilarious. So what were you talking about when you first went out solo on stage as a stand-up? I can't even remember. I really can't. Masturbating? Yeah, probably, there's probably a lot of that girls. stuff. Yeah, girls, drunken stories. of basically, basically, I was like every other young, white, middle-class, obnoxious comedian telling stories about my own personal victories like a fucking asshole. Who else is your generation, late 30s, who's still, who's, who's still at it? Who's still at it? Yeah, New Zealand. Hurley? Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, is he Henwood? from Wellington? No, he's Aucklander. He's Wellington, Howarder. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, Henwood? Dye Henwood? Yeah. Yes, definitely Wellingtonian. Just, Justine Smith? Uh, actually, Dye's my age. Yep. Um, had Justine on, had Dye on. Great. Yeah. I love those humans so much. So you went to London. I know you came back either 13 or 14, that's right, 2013, yeah, 14. There, yeah. So how long did you been over there? I. Um, I went over there for uh, like June, July, August. I did Edinburgh Fringe. Of what, 13 or 14? So you weren't there 13. for a few years? You were just there, just there for like, yeah. I was there for about nine, about six or six or so months, just over that. And then uh, dad got diagnosed with cancer and then I had to come home and, you know, deal with that. Yeah. And then I went back for another couple of months after that. So I think all up about nine months or so. How do you... Um how do you get work when you're from New Zealand, going somewhere in that sort of huge market? Yeah, so um, it used to be that you could go over there and New Zealanders could just, you know, like say hi to the one person that they'd met who'd come over from the UK for the New Zealand Comedy Festival, yep. and they'd help you get gigs, and if you gigged well, then you could just kind of get on the circuit, and that was fine. Um, but when I got there, it was a little bit, um, just a bit tougher. Gigs were starting to dry out, and 
clubs were kind of closing down a little bit. So I just ended up uh, working a lot. Um, Jeff Whiting, who uh, runs Mirth Control, was very generous to me and helped me out with a lot of shows. Um, through them, I got to do places like Malta and Romania. And what was the? What was the? I mean, it sounds like um, it's crazy, man. You know, the, the things the universe throws at you. You know, your dad passing away. I read about how um, um, as fucked as that was. It sort of um, made you come back and reappraise New Zealand and realize you want you wanted to be here. But what was mm. the plan if you were to stay over there? Were you going to try? I mean, it's I'm just going to keep going. Just for try and just see just, where you just where you ended yeah, up in the, yeah, like in the world. I, I my goal in this job has been um, it's changed dramatically. Like yeah. I used to want to, I used to make it want it huge. You know, of course, you want to be a big star, blah blah like blah. Everyone and everything. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah, I yeah. just want to be employed and comfortable. Yeah, that's all I'm after. Yeah. I'm really happy with my level. Um, and so, London was the first time I was going to like. I'm just going to give this a proper, proper swing at something. Yeah, it didn't work out because of life situations. Yeah, and I also did Melbourne for a couple of years with the same thing. I was just working on jobs, but just goofing around on stages trying weird characters oh you lived there for a couple of years yeah 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 um so i took a couple swings at it but then when i came back from london i was just a better comic after a year of gigging around and even though i was going through some hard stuff i was finding a lot of funny in it and it was working really well and then i just gig fucking hard back here and i like it was weird because i came back to auckland and all of a sudden there were enough gigs for me to do like two sometimes three gigs on a friday night so so before you left for overseas so it was london first and then london Mel- first. and then melbourne no, melbourne first this is way back like 2004 2005 okay so so it's since you've been back i always ask guests about the make a living side of it because i think it's important for people yeah here, man yeah i think it's important intel so because you mentioned a lot, a, lot, a, lot, a lot longer ago but i let it go because we went somewhere else sure so how long has it been since you can you can just do you know jamie bowen comedian performer and writer as 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 a career and, and pay the bills and stuff i think for me it has been full time since 2008 it's pretty good going, man. So, yeah. including on your overseas, just after, yeah, just after. So, when I just oh. got back from Melbourne, I was working in a bar for six months. When I got back from Melbourne, yeah. and um, working on comedy, but then things started getting busier. Then I got a TV series, and so the cash from that floated me for a while. And then nice. I got ads, and then I got, you know, I cobbled. I wasn't doing great by any means. I think I've only just started earning money in like the last two years. Yeah, it's amazing, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was your dad a was your dad a funny guy? Dad was awesome, yeah. So that's where you got the funny bone from. Yeah, and from mum too. Mum's really goofy and really fun, and yeah. my sister's really goofy, and we had like really goofy uh, grandparents who were, you know, like it was always like lots of playtime. It was cool. So everyone's lots got of a imagination. Sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, everyone's got a sense of humor, and everyone like lots of like um, yeah, good sense of humor. Shit, my family can laugh. Oh my god, it's so funny sometimes. And you talked about your granddad as well. Mm. Man, he was a stellar human being. Yeah, what a champion. Fascinating guy. Left school like super early. Yeah. Learned how to, like, taught himself how to build houses, taught himself, um, you know, all manner of technical things. Just completely figured it out by himself. He was like a genius on, like, whiz on computers and stuff like that. Just super rad dude. And so funny. Cripplingly funny. But you, but so none of them took it to stage. It was just a family trait. It's just a family trait. Yeah, <laughs> I um, like my sister did a lot of stage stuff, and she works in the industry now, um, but more on the uh, the tech side at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like the only one in the family that was really gunning for showbiz. I just never thought I'd. I just didn't know what, there was never going to be anything else. It was always just going to be this. 
I, I hear that a lot with stand-ups and or just you know a number of creative endeavors right it's like yeah it's that bloody minded i just like I, um it's just what i'm supposed to do i'm doing what i'm supposed to do has there been points where you've just gone fuck this is too hard yeah I'm man gonna, oh yeah i'm gonna and then you go yeah. hang on i'm gonna watch you betcha. Absolutely. <laughs> and what were you gonna what, what, what were you gonna what were you gonna do when you weren't gonna do it i contemplated in marine biologist no. i just think one of those childhood do you know what i contemplated what? i contemplated advertising why not man you got the brain for it copywriter yeah yeah i just but then i've got to think it through i am not built to go to one location every day for a year and churn out stuff. I just cannot do it as a human. A year? Be well, 20 you know, years? You know, 30 years. I, okay, so I'm definitely, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah, I'm a lifer, I think now. Yeah. Like coming up to 20 years, I reckon I'm a lifer. It'd be interesting to see, as I say, because stand-up is... If um, I can keep making a living out of it, if I keep enjoy travelling, if I keep meeting the you know, the awesome people that I get to meet by doing this. Um, if I keep racking up air points. Yep. Um, great, man. I'm just going to keep doing it. It's really fun. I really like this. It's tangentially made me think about, because I was thinking about the, the longevity of a, of a, of a stand-up or comedy career in New Zealand. And like I talked about before, um, the, the age of stand-up, mm. full stop, is only you know, a certain amount of decades in New Zealand. Mm. Um, be interesting to see. What stand-up comedy looks like when the guys, the guys like, how's Brendan? Must be late forties. Yeah, I'd say so. He's our test. He's our test case. What, yeah. What, what, what Lovegrove's doing when he's sixty-five? Well, yeah, I think, that, and that's been something I think that I was really struggling with last year. Is like, what do I, what do I look like uh, from a comedy point of view in forty years' time? You know what's happening, bro? You're what do ha- I want to be doing? I never thought this would happen, but you're, you're, it's happening to you a little early, perhaps. They say all you start to ask all these questions at about 40, right. and I'm just about to hit 42, yeah, and I've, right. I've, I've had similar in the last six months like that. Not Is it a midlife crisis? I suppose no, it is a midlife crisis. No, I think it's, it's more like an ex- existential... Do you know what I think it is? I what? think it's boys growing up into men. Dude. <laughs> and, then, and then do you have stuff like you go like on a bad day, you're like, what the fuck have I done with the last 20 years? Yeah, like, of course. Yeah. Of course. Go, but then I also have this thing where like... So the, my last two months has been amazing. I've oh, just, I've just had an epiphany. Yeah, I've no, just, just I've just gone over to like I've reached the point in my life at the age of coming up to thirty seven yeah. where I've done something for nearly twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Right? So for just for longer, I've done comedy for longer than half my life. That's amazing. You know, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I fell out of love with it because it's hard and it's yeah. you know, and I didn't know whether or not I had enough energy to throw it back into it. But I I, I look at that twenty years now and I'm like. Oh man, that's so cool! I want to do another twenty like that. Good. It's just so much fun. Yeah, but I've I've also got to look after myself a little bit better. Yeah, and I'd like to make some money at some point. And also, I think when you <laughs> when you look after yourself a bit better, you have less of those existential crises. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, my self criticism is simultaneously um, a good thing and a bad thing to have. Well, so speaking of the yin and yang and things, yeah, it's like the um, you talked about the, that, that flexibility and that 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 um, that life that's not structured around the nine to five and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've had that more of my life than I haven't with the different things I've done, and it is brilliant, like you say, and it does suit me. Mm. Um, but then also, I was thinking. Um, if you've got a job where I don't know how many hours you spend on stage on average a week, mm. it's actually a lot of time outside that that your mental health, your, your 
your thought patterns can go two ways. Oh, mate, do you know? Do you know what I mean? Because you're not, you're yeah. not, you're not tied up with forty hours of no, a task. No, you know? no. So yeah, I, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and that's something that my therapist and I talk about at great yeah. length. Yeah. Um, is that I need to occupy my brain a little bit more than just sitting there thinking existential thoughts. You got to do something dull, like do like, chip away, chip away at the tax return. Every oh, don't day. say tax return to me. <laughs> I've I was meant to get that in this morning. I got uh, I got my ACC thing as a. You must uh, have this as a performer. No, I want to know. Finish on tax return. I want to know. We're not finished. I want to know why I pay my ACC levy for the year following when I don't know how much I'm going to have I earned. I've, I don't understand that. Yeah. So what, what can happen to about? you on a stage? You see, you're, 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 I mean, a lot ACC? of stuff. A lot of stuff. I've had um, microphone in the eye. No, nah, like when we were in Gary, a um, light gate fell off a light and smacked one of the members like clean in the head. Right. And like split his head. Is that, <laughs> so that shit years can, ago, Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit can oh, happen. been playing ACC yeah. back then. Do you want to talk about something else? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, we sort of were kind of on mental health a little bit. Great yeah. topic. I'm really glad that people in public are, are talking about this more in general. I think podcasts have had a lot to do with it. Um, I've noticed that in music now, um, I was thinking about talking about Shiha twice in the episode, but Tom Larkin, the drummer, has mm. been fronting this thing on on um, the mental health, the music, you know, mental health issues in the music industry. Mm. Anyway, um, the, your poster boy in the in the comedy industry, I, for, <laughs> for my money, is Mike King. No, no, yeah, for, right. you know, yeah, yeah. For, for you know the Nutters Club and all of that. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And I saw work. you did a stage show with with him. Is that right? So it was a different yes. different um, fellow comedian each day talking with Mike. Or was it a comedy show? What so was, it was it? A, it was a comedy show. It was yeah. a. Um, well, it wasn't really a comedy show. Let's say. <laughs> no, it yeah. was a comedy show. Yeah. Like so, I mean, I obviously have a, I have a very broad definition of what comedy is. If people laugh, then it's comedy. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, Mike King and myself and uh, who else did it? Was it Corey Gonzalez? Oh, there was a huge list. Don't worry about that. There was was about eight or nine names. And it was a really, um, it was just, it was talking about uh, mental health. All of us talking about our our issues with mental health or our experience with mental health. It just did not happen even a few years ago, man. And it was, um, it was one of the most, uh, like, confronting, beautiful experiences of my entire career. Um, And I talked about, I got pretty open, I kind of talked about my suicide attempt. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'm just trying to figure out the language around that. Um, and uh, that was such an amazing platform to just kind of go out and just sort of talk about it and see how it sits with the crowd and to really give it some weight also for myself so to make it real because I have to make it real uh, because otherwise, you know, like you don't want to just sort of brush something like that off and go, ah, oh, yeah, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm all good off the back of but that. But that's what, that's what generations of people have done. That's why you yeah. like, you know, I don't know if there's this great, I don't know, this is obscure because there's so much media around. There's a show called F is for Family on Netflix. Oh, uh, yeah, that's and it's um, Bill, Bill Burr, isn't Bill it? Bill Burr's show. Yeah, I haven't watched any uh, of that yet. Well, there's this dad, and he is like just... Yeah, he's just a pent-up ball of 1970s father rage. Yeah. And I've heard Bill Burr talking about the fact that it was, you know, that was the male yeah. back then. You had yeah. all of the shit on your plate. Yeah, so I you know, our, our age, you know, probably, I don't, I, you don't, you've got kids, no? No. Right, so 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 by now, us two would might have three kids, mm-hmm. you know, a mortgage, a job we hate. 
And, oh, and, and you can't talk to your male friends about yeah. anything going on in your head. Yeah. So it sort of days, excuses men like that from that era. Yeah. You know? But it's no, that's no longer okay. Like, we can't... No. We can't be that anymore. No. Because no. it's so bad. And totally. The, and the, um, yeah, so... You've got, to, you've got to watch that show, man. You'll, you'll watch a bunch right. in a row. It's so yeah. good. So, yeah. So the mental health thing, like, me just... I'm just figuring out how to talk about it. And, um, you know, I still don't, I don't quite have the language right or I don't have the, uh, maybe I still don't have enough time between well, you're just, my episodes. You're, you're, just, you're just talking about it. That's, I have um, been like, you know, I've yeah. been like, like I'm now a massive, massive advocate for, um, uh, for medication and uh, for therapy. If you genuinely feel like you can't get yourself out of it. Because I was just in, a, in an, an all sense of panic yeah. all the time. Yeah, for you, months. You, but you, you're not now. I'm not now. That's good, man. It's fucking great. I wouldn't dude. have even, you know, it's amazing the front we can put on because that um, night I met you at that comp, I was like, what a, what a really yeah, great I've, guy. What a, I really liked your MCing. I liked chatting to you afterwards. Was I was like, walking through a personal hell. Yeah, no, yeah. that's well, I mean, bro. That's really honest of you. And and, and but yeah. that but that, that comes back to what I was saying. It's amazing, you know. We we do need to talk more about it, and it's amazing the fronts we can put yeah. on. Um, and it, uh, yeah. It's also like there's a there's also a thing that's starting to happen within our industry and and um, Richard Carrington who's a very dear friend of mine and uh, uh, also my manager too um, and business genius um, has been working with a counselling service um, and it's a koha donation uh, so that for artists, comedians for, for artists, for artists yeah. so that actors or, or comedians can go and talk about their mental health because it's a really the mental health of a of an actor or an artist or a writer musician. or some, musician or something like that is a really interesting beast. Well, um, your hours are upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah all, all sorts just, of things. But I just think, yeah. like, so many of us also spend so much time analysing the life around us. Yeah, we forget to engage with the life around us, you know. And yeah. so, your sense of isolation and detachment can be pretty real. Jamie and I were just talking about being more open as men, and then both crossed our arms. And I know. <laughs> Just relax, guys. Just yeah. relax. It's actually play. these seats. It's these seats. It's nothing to do with our No, I, you, our know what it, you know what it was? It was yeah. because it was a serious moment, <laughs> yeah. and both of us acknowledged it with our body language. By leaning forward, <laughs> we locked eyes as we both kind of went <laughs> yeah. into, like, we, we feel exposed, but uh, we're safe. We hug ourselves. Speaking of eyes, are your eyes enhanced on your website? My baby blues? Yeah. No comment. <laughs> Probably, yeah. There's I also- keep uh, my, my the the girl that I do photography with, um, who does rather all of my like, headshots and like stuff. To take pictures, Kate Little, um, uh, uh, rad person, and she. Uh, I've had to over the years start asking her to stop, stop airbrushing me. Like it's time that I'm aging. I've got spots on my face. They need to stay on there now. Well, the whole front page of your website is no text and just your um, just your just your face. Yeah, no, they've definitely been doctored. Actually, and while we're here and you're in such good spirits, there's a hilarious typo, and it's in the bit where you say you're a writer. <laughs> well, it shows you how long since I've looked at the website. Then <laughs> don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> I said I'm a writer. I didn't say I'm a proofreader. I pay someone else for that shit, and clearly they have they not have done not, their job. Right, they've not done their job. Um, and uh, another broad general topic um, of uh, you know of stand up that interests me in our sort of. Am like, I allowed to vape in here? Absolutely. Oh, in, our, in our social, someone um, told me off for for vaping during the podcast because they they said it sounded uh, whatever they said. Oh, anyway, through the but you were fine. No, I didn't yeah, hear yeah, that I at all. No. Didn't hear that at all. 
Yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very wary of what, it. What flavour are you rocking? I like to go for like a little bit of a caramel sea salt. Oh, yeah, goodness. With just a hint of tobacco in that. Uh, many, there's how? also got some very nice pear notes, and um, <laughs> the aftertaste is a lingering dark chocolate. I'd say about. Where do you 6%. go for your juice? <laughs> Someone who's a good salesperson, obviously. Um, so, what milligram? Uh, six. Six good, good milligram, good milligram. I'm about to go down to three. Still committed, but um, I'm about to go down to three. Right, okay. we're on the we're on the home stretch. Um, yeah. So what's talking about? That's right. So general um, topics that are sort of about our uh, the society we live in at the moment, but also yeah. stand up very much. So, what is offensive, bro? What's offensive? Is there, well, is there is, in stand up? What is offensive? Um, it's what you choose yep. to be offended at. Yeah, that's what's offensive. Do you find that being threatened that you're offensive is not you, but the climate in general at the moment for stand ups is? I don't know. Brendan sort of said it was getting like the states are getting over here, but I wondered whether Brendan. I, I, I wondered about that. I, I don't. Yeah, well, I, I, mean, like, I don't my see. Experience... I, I work at university. I don't see that our campuses are becoming as much of a battleground as. So, as the US, you know? No, uh, no. Although but that thing are, was weird. That was very yeah. weird. I didn't. Uh, I haven't read about about that. So, anyway, uh, I um, my experience of doing things like orientation shows. I did an orientation show this year, yes. and the crowd of because they are kids now to me. I apologise, and also I'm old. Yeah. Um, such a condescending old man that's what i'm i'm well on my way to becoming a cantankerous old bastard and i, f- I think it's going to suit me very well um but that that crowd of people those of younger humans was so intrinsically different from the what i used to play five years ago five years yeah, i'm man. really interested man go yeah. on yeah it's like it's a it's it's a different mindset you have to be you have to acknowledge the fact that you you just can't be a dick about stuff, you know. Like you can't. Like you, I might have to get you to be a little bit more specific. You just like I don't. I don't want to say things that are going to offend those people, and so I want to be careful about the things that well, I what say. What would you say that would offend them? Well, just maybe. There's a very good chance that at my particular age, I've got prejudices that right. I've grown up with that they no longer longer agree with. And if anyone's going to be right, it's going to be them, not me. So. So you notice this is all very vague. So you notice this from your the reaction to some of your yeah, like some of my bits. Then I'm like, yeah. okay, maybe that's a bit that I just don't do anymore. Maybe I should question that bit. And you think it's only five years? Yeah, man. This fascinates me because I've been teaching for seven or eight, right. and and I just I forget that seven or eight years in my time is not a lot of time. Mm. But I've only, this has started to occur to me recently that culturally seven or eight well, years. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, what I was thinking that's right. So when I, you say the kids now, so when I was 18 and I was at uni, mm. I got to I got to remember that 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 um, eight years ago, to me then was like. Eons yeah. ago. Yeah. So things do change at a much quicker rate when you're that age, right? Yeah. But also things in general are moving at a quicker rate. Social change moves at a faster rate. There's a faster adoption of um, societal changes. Yeah. Um, you know, ideas are getting picked up faster and people are speaking out about it more because we are more connected and so on and so forth. So, like, in another five years' time, okay. the gap Wait. between those 18-year-olds going to university and the 18-year-olds that have just come out of university is also going to be I've enormous. Found, I've found a case study to, to, to test this here because you, you, you are being a little, a little vague with what the, the content and stuff, and that's fine. But then you mentioned the age thing, and then I was thinking of comedians who I think are just supremely um, 
smart and crafted with their ideas and deliver. Okay, point being is, would someone like Bill Burr offend them? Oh, yeah. Right. So yeah. maybe that is a generational thing because I see how Bill Burr really pushes that fine line yeah. where, like, you know, he, he pretends to be the everyman, but it's totally not. But it's, I also, like, I can't, I can't really be objective about that because, yeah. like, I like that from – I like watching another comedian do that. Yeah. I love it. I don't personally want to do it, but I yeah. love watching someone do it. And it makes me giggle. I like how he's, you know, like doing what? Like, what do you say, what? What's it? Well, just, you know, writing that line of offense. Yeah. I find it really funny. But also, Some of my stuff is in bad taste, certainly. Yeah. Um, but all ju- – come on, everyone likes bad taste. Yeah, it's- but it's amazing. Like, you, you just – I don't know. I, just, I think there's a responsibility from straight white males to just be a bit fucking smarter about the things that we say and think. You know? I love how Bill Burr plays the. It's kind know. of. It's not as. We should just shut up for a while. <laughs> hang on, I'll just check in here. Hang on a second. We've got. Uh, we're at, we're at an hour and three minutes. So what? So for seventeen minutes, shall I shall I go into class tomorrow and just put the mic in the, in the middle of the room and can I hear from you guys for seventeen minutes? What I really like with Burr is, um, well, there's many things. Um, is that he plays that um, kind of schlub on stage, but he's anything but. And it's, it's interesting. Um, there's all sorts of stuff going in there, a eh? class and all the rest of it. Mm. Like his father's a dentist, you know. Mm. He's certainly not from kind of like working class Boston right. stock. Have you seen the Philly incident? No, I think I've seen the Philly incident. I messaged that to you. I think so. I don't know. Yeah, don't what know. is offensive? I, what is offensive? I, I like, did bring that up because of the Don Brash thing because it related to the whole thing they're saying that's happening to unis in the States, this whole snowflake thing, and it fucks me off because that kind of notion and language is coming here. But I work, well, in, one, I work in one of those institutions, and I haven't seen that happening at work. Right. I almost think there's this imaginary... W- wider public perception, talkback radio mentality going on about what a uni is. So maybe it's happening in the states, I mean, but I, I don't like, think it's happening I've, here. You know, I've never actually been to university. I left right. high school, and then that was it. Uh, so I don't really know what university campuses were like or are like. Um, I just know that the crowds are more reserved than they were five years ago. Okay, so I can close all of that off after all the all, we delved we delved into the psychology of it. I think they're probably just drinking less. Yeah, they definitely are. It certainly affects behaviour. Yeah, it definitely does. And fuck, more power to them. They're going to get so much more shit done than our generation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> we're the ones that need to adapt, not them. <laughs> it's their world. <laughs> <sighs> um, so you're good mates. Uh, you're very good friends with um, Mr. Darby. Yeah, yeah he's a very good buddy of mine. And very dear, wonderful human friend. Um, touring with him, what were those shows like? Were they of a scale you weren't used to? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Reese and um, and his wife Rosie have been amazingly generous to me throughout my career. Yeah, and helped me out heaps. And they've given me this opportunity a couple of times to play um, to open for Reese. Where you're doing two thousand seat theatres. One of one tour was like twenty five dates across the UK. Then there was like a couple of Australian ones, a couple of New Zealand ones. Um, open for him in LA recently too, and wow. it's like it's just amazing, dude. So they open up so many options and opportunities for me. So you most of the time his support act when he when he does tours. Yeah, well, I have been of late, yeah. Oh wow! Because we've we've known each other since 1999. Yeah, we did a show together called Earthlings. Uh, it was Gary Reese Darby and Grant Lobin, 
It was one of the most mental things we've ever done. It was fucking awesome. Gary's the, the, the trio. trio. The stand-up yeah, trio yeah, that yeah, I was yeah. in with McAndrews and Bruno Gorman. Um, and so I've known him for ages. So we've just always been really good mates. Um, but yeah, they've helped me out a lot in my career. Yeah. Have you thought about, because it's, um, I mean, it wasn't even a reality really for me, at least growing up. But then, I mean, I actually was in the same year doing the same major as Jermaine and Tyker. Mm-hmm. With Brett a year or two down, or whatever it was, maybe a little bit further down. Mm. Um, then there's Reese. Um, then obviously there's the Peter Jackson effect as well. Essentially, I'm saying that New Zealand, you know, irrespective of the internet being invented and so on, just the idea of making it somewhere like the states is seems much more of a reality now. Yeah. Have you thought about trying to um, do anything over there? Get an agent? Ah, uh, yeah. I've just come back from LA. Have you? Mm. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you'd be got, in good stead, man. I got I back take to... Take a lot of boxes. So, yeah, I... Um, I... Yeah, I had a bit of a lucky break. And so I just got back from LA. So I had five weeks over in LA. Oh, you've so already I'm, done something so over kind there. kind of like... I'm sort of starting to, I'm starting to sound out whether or not it's a possibility to be over there. Uh, I've been lucky enough to get a visa. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, okay. Maybe I'll go. The lucky break is the visa, or have you got an agent, or have you screen tested for something? I haven't got something? an agent. I haven't screen tested for anything. And um, yeah, the lucky break is like the just the visa and the the chance to get in. Well done, bro. Work, you know, I can I can work there now. So you film? Wow! So the specials coming on out. So the specials You've coming got out soon. Into- I think. I don't know what we're going to do with the special. Don't know where we're going to put it out. I hope that w- w- one day, um, you know, companies like Netflix start having local content, you know, places places like that I think will open up yeah. down the track. Um, so what were the five weeks in LA, just sounding it out? Yeah, sounding it out, um, trying to figure out how to um, navigate the stand-up scene a little bit. Um, just to, Did you go to the comedy store? I did, I went to the comedy store Who'd a couple of times. Um, I went to the open mics. I wanted yeah. to go see the open mics. I wanted to see what their level was like. I was, that's my next question. What's the level like for the open mics? Yeah, hit and miss, as you would expect. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's a, I mean, that open mic scene there is brutal. Well, it's. I signed up on the It's night a city before, of people wanting to be stars, bro. The night before I came back from LA, yeah. you know. Like, oh, you did it. You did it. Yeah. Oh, I, awesome. The night before I came back yeah. from LA, like, and I kind of felt like a bit of a dick for doing it. But you would have been more developed than. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's really, like, it's really unfair. Like, I signed up one Monday night. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm in LA on someone else's wicket, you know, like someone's paid for me to be there. And, like, on Monday night, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go sign up on the open mic night with 250 other people turned up to put their names down. I was like, what? This is mad. How do they for, decide? For 40 spots. How right? do they decide? Is and it so, like a roulette? I, like a, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it must be. Yeah. There, was like, there was easily like 150 to 200 people there, I'm sure of it, to put their name down for 40 spots, three minutes a spot. And that bang on seven o'clock, the show starts, right? If there's a crowd or not, doesn't matter. The show starts. And so it's just comics in the room cycling through three minutes. And, you know, like, oh, boy. Did you, did you draw a ticket? Yeah, I got a, I got a spot. Yeah. yeah. How'd that go? It was funny. I really enjoyed it. Did you get laughs? I got a few laughs because I was, I was commenting on the gig. I was just like, I'm, I'm actually a bit of a big deal back home. So this is... <laughs> this, <laughs> This is a lot of fun. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't that much of an asshole. Are there any, so, are there any civilians in the crowd, or just um, one of the? I think by the time I got on stage, there were three people. Yeah, yeah, four, three or four, and they spread themselves out. It's fascinating. Then the rest of it's just comics. 
And so you didn't see any uh, any big ticket comedy while you were there, just the just the, just the open yeah, mic nights. Yeah, I was nights. just the open mic nights. I was kind of um, yeah, like the first couple of weeks were work, so I didn't really get a chance to get out and do anything. And then like the last, I got sick in the middle week. I got a throat infection in the middle week, so that yeah. took a week out. And then the last couple of weeks, I sort of managed to get out. I went and saw um, uh, Hot Tub with Matt and uh, Kirsten. Kristen Schaal, Schaal, Schaal? I don't know what that is. Uh, it's a comedy show that they've been running for like the last 10, 13 years. So I went and watched one of their nights. Um, a few names on there that you'd recognise cool. and stuff. So yeah, man, it's, I love it. I'm really excited about it. It's really, I'm like, I'm kind of going back to basics. I'm going to move over and see if I can. So you are going to move over? Yeah. So, really someone, so someone flew you over, you haven't got an agent yet, you've got a visa, mm. and you're going to move over. I think so. This is so mysterious and exciting. Yeah. Yeah, well, I just want to give the stand-up scene a try. There, I really absolutely. I want to learn how to. I want to learn how to go through that circuit and through that scene, go step by step, start from the bottom. Step but by I'm step meaning, I also see. I also see that you could you could be someone that could start getting bit parts and stuff as well. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to give the, those eyes that aren't airbrushed. Yeah, I'd like know? to. I'd, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. says. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to give that a go. I want to do more. Yeah, I want to do more of that stuff. I want to do more writing. I want to make some TV shows or a, or a movie or a. I'm well, really, I really it, enjoy the creating experience. I'm the really, other thing is, you know, your jokes about feeling really old and stuff as if it's still if you still got the juice in you um oh, mate, i'm only 37 could, i'm only just yeah, getting totally, started totally absolutely I'm and, only you know, just getting there's, started. The, there's the whole road comic thing over there you yeah could, you know you could do totally and what a great way to see the world what a great way to see america yeah man i get to go to pockets of the world that other people would never go to yeah uh, my traveling with stand-up is the greatest thing in the world i'm uh, i'm envious it's amazing i'm a very lucky human yeah yeah um very lucky human Sort of like when I did um, breakfast breakfast radio for a couple of years, um, had awkward moments. Uh, people would, you know, more, not often, but more than once, someone um, would say, helpfully, um, oh, you do radio, say something funny, which is mm. like, uh, oh. imagine the comedian's lot oh, with Muppets. Um, yeah. So I'm <laughs> so hesitant to ask about bits. I'm not asking you to recount it, but sure. something that... Um, made me really curious today because I didn't see it is what's this girl with a sandwich did you do a whole show based on a story about someone eating a sandwich I'm starting to work on a show about a story about someone eating a sandwich oh this hasn't happened yet no it's happened I did it um, like it's just a bit of stand up that I've been trying to work on that I haven't gotten right because there's it's a, it's a beautiful story but I'm I'm trying to like I'm trying to figure out a way to dissect a tiny moment in as many ways as possible and it ended up being like a bit of an interview show that I did at the festival yeah but I'm still working on the idea of the it's about a little girl eating a sandwich so sort yeah. of like coming back to your favorite comedian you talked about that idea of taking one idea and turning it into yeah, a long I, yeah I just I'm curious of yeah yeah I guess that is very Kitsonesque isn't it god I'm basically just copying him oh. I have no originality whatsoever as a human oh this has been an emotional roller coaster. Don't go there. Don't, don't go there again. Have another vape. Have another vape. I'm creatively bankrupt. <laughs> hey, man. Everything these days is a sample, bro. Everything these days is a sample. Everything's I know. a riff. Everything's I know. A, how does that work actually like, again, like, oh, God, number of times on the show, you know, it's be, my listeners will know that I, ha- I have a rem- 
there's a bit of romanticism when we with stand up. Like I, I probably wish I had attempted it years ago, and you know, there's I, nothing stopping nothing you. stopping me. That's right. But um, but um, except yourself, except myself. Uh, but one of the things I've thought of when I when I when I when I have thought of a funny idea, and then I've gone, oh fuck, actually that's from. I mean, that's almost an occupational hazard, isn't it? Mm. Like, and the other thing with that, before I get you to respond, is like, is like where you innocently, um, uh, yeah, right. There's an here's an orange here or yeah. whatever, and you and I go into a different room and write five jokes about oranges or whatever. There's also the fact that the human experience, mm. there is going to be similarities. So how do you, yeah, how do you, how do you negotiate that man, like not being seen as someone who's biting other people's materials, so, doing original stuff? So you just talk about you. Just talk about you, yeah. You've got to be authentic. Like, if you want to not copy anyone, right? Comedically, your styles will always be similar to someone, right? There's a, yeah. there's a few variations on how this can be performed. Yeah. But if, if you know... Um, but, yeah, like, just being the most authentic version of yourself you can means that you're not going to be copying anyone's material. Yeah, you might end up doing jokes that are similar to what other people have done, but that's just human parallel development, um, and if it gets too much where someone's like, if someone's more famous than you and you've got a bit that kind of works with that, I mean, just, oh, who gives a shit? Let them, have the fam- let them have the bit and then just... But do you have stuff like where if you're in a really furious creative period sort of writing and getting ideas together, you don't I watch don't other watch, people's I don't things? watch a lot of stand-up at all. For that reason? Yeah, yeah for that reason. Yeah, and yeah, also yeah. just like, um, I just... Um, I've been making this joke on stage over the last couple of months and the crowds really don't react to it very well. So I don't think I've quite got it right yet, but stand-up's just not for me. Is that the joke? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I really love doing it, yeah. um, but it's just not my kind of thing to watch. I just really don't like engaging. So you're kind of like calling the audience out for coming having a scene. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. I'm sort of, I'm working on this character pitch at the moment of like, how very dare you? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I, that's actually quite. I don't, that actually I, made in me, truth, I really that is quite deep. I sort of went. That's sort of like. Um, I, yeah, I just I, I genuinely don't watch a lot of stand up. Like I love a, it. It's like a snake eating its tail. I love like watching a, my buddies do stand up. That's yeah, what I like watching. Yeah. I like watching. You know, like I was on a cruise ship um, uh, a week or so ago, and it was uh, myself and Justine Smith and Michelle A. Court and Jeremy Elwood, um, Heath Franklin Chopper, uh, Harley Breen. Cal Wilson and Rusty Bertha doing a comedy festival cruise and we did like two 45 minute sets each and varying venues and it was just wicked man like just watching your buddies smash big rooms it's great that always brings me so much joy watching my friends just kill a big room would you be a cruise ship guy if you didn't work on them doing comedy they're a sort of an interesting environment yeah they? they are an interesting environment my first experience I didn't necessarily enjoy and my second experience I enjoyed but um that was a, a unique environment, and I think it was more set up to be enjoyable for me. So that everyone was on the cruise to come and see comedy shows. Oh, it was a comedy comedy, comedy cruise, cruise. Wow. yeah. Um, and it was great. Like my first show was so packed, they they put me in a hundred seater, and my first show was so packed they turned away like three hundred people. So where do they run that out of New Zealand? They have a yeah, we left comedy? from Auckland. We went out to the harbour. We... So there's a New Zealand company that does New Zealand stand up. Uh, this cruise. was um, this was through Sit Down, I believe, which is Brisbane based. Gold Coast boat. Sounds like Motorhead's motorboat. It was cool, man. And I'm, you know, like I'm, I even make a joke on stage that um, cruise ships are where entertainers go to die. Um, what was that? But I think it's, I think there's some instances where there's a, 
there's an exception to that rule. So you meaning that it's sort of a hey, na- look, it's a NAF gig? Hey, look, I, I, I was talking to someone about this last night, and they was they had recommended to them that they shouldn't do cruise ships um, because it might affect their image. And I can understand someone saying that. But at the end of the day, cruise ships pay money. More money, say, than, I think, more money than you're going to make in a weekend. So, I th- I think, I mean, look, so just get, pull your head out of your that, fucking that whole thing that you're, that, Yeah, that whole thing with like selling out and not selling out. Actually, I'll tell you something interesting about young people in a set to do with selling out. Don't let me forget. But I, I think, you know, from my own experience, my, my, own experience from my own experience with creative endeavours is, is, um, is, um, is only you know when you are compromising yourself. And when, when I, that has happened to me in the past, it's mm. when I feel dirty or bad about doing something. Right. So if you enjoyed it, you did it with mates. And by the way, the whole reason I asked about cruise ships wasn't even loaded with any of that. I hadn't right, thought right, about right, that. Right, right. But I get what you mean now. It's sort of like Heidi High. Um, but can, yeah, yeah. So, be, you know, yeah. that's right. It can be. And, but I think, you know, only you are a judge of your creative integrity and how you feel about your career and your work. And anyone else who's going to load that stuff on you can fuck off. Well, man, <laughs> it's... Um, you know what? It's forty-five minutes of stage time. Yep. It's reasonable money. It's an audience that it's I a twenty-four would, hour buffet. It, oh, dude, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd come back like. And it's um, and it's, it's a really challenging environment to put out the ideas that I want to put out on stage. It's just another way to test myself. I'm from that. Like when when well, I started it's all working in comedy, out, isn't it? When I started in comedy, if you got fifty bucks and the opportunity to sleep on a floor in Taupo, you'd go and do that twenty minutes, even though you didn't have twenty minutes. You, you know, like you go and do all of the shit gigs. Hey, where'd you cruise? Where'd you go anyway? Around the islands? Where'd you go? Yeah, where'd all, you go? all around. That's so cool. Wherever I could. Yeah. Wherever, wherever I could, I could, wherever wherever I could get stateside. <laughs> if, if, if there was a pub with a microphone in the corner, I'd go there and I'd just do some jokes. Anyway, so selling out. I saw, so selling out, I saw I mean, a doco that's very of our generation. It's very, or you'd be, I'm sort of Gen Y, Gen X cusp, but you are from that era where like, you know, kind of apathy, blah, blah, blah. It's like selling out, mm. you know, corporate, da, 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 da. Mm. Um, There was a doco I watched a wee while ago now where they asked a new generation of kids about selling out, mm. and most of them didn't even know what the term meant. Right. So it's sort of like the idea of selling out now isn't even in the, in the, in the vernacular. Yeah, no, I, um, I really enjoy eating. And, so um, And surviving. So if yeah. it pays, I'm going to do it. There's some things I won't do. You've got to have some level I think, yeah. But you know what, like, yeah. I want to close, with, I want to close and close on that. You do like, hey, we've been here an hour and seventeen minutes. Um, you're supposed to react to that. Wow, really? Have we? It's felt like twenty minutes. Well, it did. It went very quickly. Um, thank you. No worries. <laughs> did you get the content that you wanted? Has this worked out as you expected? Uh, I don't have. I have a. I have a brief. I have a few ideas. I have some bullet points on the screen, but mm. otherwise, I, I think if I plan too much, they're not conversations, and they don't yeah. go. Yeah. So after the end of that, you reminded me one thing on my list that I hadn't talked about is mm-hmm. um, I think through something I was reading about with you and Reese, you're but you're a big um, food guy. Are you into cooking and stuff as love well. Love cooking, just, man. Yeah, nice. that's my zen space. We could do another same. That's how that's how I relax. Oh, I that's love how it. I relax. Yeah. What sort of stuff do you like cooking? Oh, uh, dude, like um, just I want to put a sofrito on and I just want to let it sweat and do its yeah, thing. Nice. You know, that's that, yeah. those smells do something spiritual to me. Yeah, and I've also established that I have I have an emotional place in my heart. For, for the cheeseburger as a concept. So like I have this real burger. When I was in LA, I was trying yeah. all the impossible patties. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, dude, it was beautiful. I saw the future. Yeah. And the future is meat-free. Really? Yeah, it's So you're going to stop eating meat? Um, I'm going to certainly cut down on it. Okay. But nothing cooks like meat yet. No, but you're right. Um, you know, like I still like putting a big slab on a barbecue for 12 hours and standing around contemplating the meaning of life, the universe, and what kind of sauce I'm going to make. 
Hey, well, listen, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up, and I'm going to say that um, I need to get out and watch more shows, so I am going to come and see you live. Um, but the stand-up I watched today, I already figured out I liked you and wanted to talk to you, and um, uh, and I talked to Brendan and stuff as well. Um, but I really, really liked the videos you've got up online. I like the timing. I like your feel. Thank I like you. your wordplay. I like your stage presence. It's really cool to hear that you're doing a special, and I think um, you're playing it down, but I'd, I'd say I haven't heard of something like you're doing coming out, coming out of New Zealand yet. So, yeah. so if that's... It's this part of the process of going to LA as well. It's like, um, um, yeah, go well, bro. Thank thanks for much. coming in, man. Hey, thanks for having me. This has been great. All right. It really helped me to uh, sort of firm up my idea of what the meaning of life is, and, uh, and I'm going to lay that down on you. And I know that it's quite an arrogant thing for mankind, humankind, to think that there's any sort of point to this life whatsoever. But I've had across a little idea that I think sort of sums up what we're all trying to do, and it's, it's, it's a very simple idea. Life, to me, seems like a series of different-sized boxes. I'll explain. The theory works like this. Because you were made inside a type of box, and then you come out of a type of box. And then you have to sleep in a little box until you're big enough to be able to sleep in a bed, which itself is housed in a box, big enough to house you, the box you came out of, and the box is matching plug. Hmm? And then as a kid, you go and you play in the sandbox, don't you? And you go to the Christmas tree, you want the biggest box underneath the Christmas tree. And then you go to school, you have lessons inside a box. And then as a teenager, you're trying to figure out which box you actually fit into. Hmm? And then you move out of the family box and into a shared box, and you get your license, and you drive around in a piece of shit box. Yeah? Then you go to university where they teach you to think outside the box. But as a 20-something-year-old male or gay female, all you really want to do is think your way into as many boxes as possible (laughs) until you find the one box that you prefer over all other boxes. And then you and your new favourite box, you move out of the shared box and into your own box and you go to work in a little box to be able to buy a ring, which itself comes in a little box, to be able to give to your favourite box, to prove to that box you're going to love that box and only that box for as long as you both still live. Then you go to work again in your little box to be able to buy a bigger box to house you, your favourite box, and all of the little people that have been squeezed out of your favourite box. Which, for the record, completely ruins your favourite box. And then what you do is you train the little people that you've created to grow up and move out of the family box, and they do, and this is where you start downsizing boxes. You go from a family box into a two-person box into a retirement box, and then you die and you get buried in a box. Or you get cremated and put into an even fucking smaller box. Now... Sometimes the cycle is broken because the family released that out into the open. Other times, you're knocked over at a party, you vacuumed up, and you're back inside another box. So, as far as I can tell, life is a series of different sized boxes. Next fucking question. Bam! I'm Jamie Bond. Have a good night. Thank you.